Talk Love to you in a minute. Okay, here we go. to another great show here we have a beyond the cover tonight we have two very very special guests first we're going to kick it off with author vicky Hinzi, and then we're going to bring in steve hamilton but i want to remind you all too uh that i'm your co-host john robb and i am here with my wonderful fabulous great looking co-host jeff Ayers. jeff how you doing doing great and you got that right buddy <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're the one who wrote the opening, so I just had to read it, and I was like, wait a second, I, what am I reading? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great to be able to talk with Vicky here, and we're able to have Steve on. Uh, I, will, you know, I will just say, just in case, because people might look at it and say, wow, this is kind of weird, we, ha- we did pre-record Steve's interview, but we're playing it as if it's today, because his book came out today, uh, Dead Man Running, so just so people don't think that it's, you know, oh, wow, they're, they're talking different. Yeah, so that's about what it is. Um, <laughs> I also want to remind uh, everybody that all of our shows here are brought to you by Kensington Books, so please make sure you visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on their authors and um, what they have going on. And it's a great name. They, they named the company Beautiful Kensington Books. I forgot to tell you about this because that's my granddaughter's name. And, you know, she's 16 months old, uh, 15 months old, uh, 15 and a half. So that was a great thing that they did. So, yeah. Her, her name's Books? Yeah. That's her middle name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? Without any further ado, let's hop into our first guest. Um, she is a she is a USA Day best-selling author, and what we're going to jump into is there's an explosive new miniseries that has been released, and it was a new book released every Thursday in October. The lines are called the Breakdown Novels, and it is four women confront dark past to find a killer. Uh, Vicky was the author of the book. So Many Secrets, joined by Deborah Webb, Peggy Webb, and Reagan Block, where the other three are authors of the series. So, Vicki, we want to thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and thanks for having me. It's good to be with you guys. Uh, well, thanks for doing this. Um, so, first thing I want to ask you is, um, it's unusual what uh, the four of you are doing uh, you're starting off with uh, releasing some short stories next month, and then in October you're releasing novels once a week. So I'm wondering, how did the four of you sort of get together and plot all this out? Well, you know, we've worked together before um, doing um, compilations, just just multi-author uh, box set releases. And so we knew we worked well together, and we're all friends. Deborah Webb and I have, and Peggy Webb and I have been friends for a long time. And uh, Reagan, I've gotten to know pretty well in the last five or so years. And uh, you know how it is when writers get together. They talk about books. And the minute you start talking about books with other authors like that the next thing you know you're plotting a series so we <laughs> sat down you know and just i mean that's exactly how it happened and what we decided was you know everybody wants to live in the perfect place and so we started out with the place 
and um, and we wanted to make it smart, you know, in that they were uh, ecologically uh, sound people, bright people. Money wasn't an issue. We didn't want any of the typical problems. So what we did was we sat there and kicked around the idea of having this perfect town where everybody's health conscious and everybody's, you know, they're all on the same page. No distension, no real real conflicts other than they've got this nice place to raise kids, uh, a beautiful little place in the um, uh, Sierra Nevada mountains, uh, not too far from Sacramento, but really, you know, a little bit further away. And um, and how it seems so perfect. Well, these four women come from different areas around the country. And all of them, like Deborah Webb kicks the series off with um, with her book, The Dead Girl. And her character was a homicide detective in Los Angeles and had a really traumatic experience. In fact, she thought she was going to leave policing uh, because it involved uh, a shooting, and and it was a solid shooting. She did what she had to do, but it bothered her. It was a young person, and it really bothered her. So she's running from that. Everybody had some traumatic experience. Uh, Dana, the character in my book, uh, taught kindergarten. She's also a um, psychologist, and she had a school shooting to contend with. And her, she lost students in her class. And the um, third book is Peggy Webb's, and it's All the Lies. Well, she was a journalist. She was an investigative journalist and went through a traumatic experience with that, with a, with a serial killer, and wanted peace and tranquility and serenity. Reagan's character is a doctor, and she, too, had a problem with the past. Um, and her book is um, uh, What She Knew. And she was a close friend of the victim. And the whole thing is these women, in order to find out who committed this murder, they go through all of these um, transitions, if you will. And, of course, each one of them has to face the thing that they fear the most, which is the reason they came there in the first place. And they start recognizing that so much of what they believed to be true isn't true. Everybody's got secrets. Everybody's got lies. Everybody's doing things that you wouldn't think they would be doing. And nothing is as it appears. So the town is going through a breakdown. But the characters are having to rise to the occasion. So... Anyway, that's what we walked yeah. away with that night, and we had to, you know, all all four of us are very 
active authors, and so we had to get our schedules to coincide. And that took right. a little while. Yeah, always <laughs> a difficult thing. Yeah, because always difficult. Because mm-hmm. you all probably got different deadlines, and you have different things oh, you have to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we all work at, you know, we work at different speeds. Um, all of us write pretty fast. But we we are booked pretty heavily usually, and so it it made the timing. And one thing that I um, I really wanted to push the boundaries on the genre and on the typical things you would find, um, so that we can broaden the suspense genre. I love suspense. And we wanted to try to do everything we could to attract new readers and also new authors uh, to the genre. And so one thing that that really drives me insane, when you have different authors doing a um, a series, are the changes so much in voice and um, that sort of thing. I don't know if you want to get into the writing aspects of it very much, but... Oh, no, no, but, no please, please. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I, well, it's very jarring when you have uh, one mm-hmm. lead character and four people writing about that character, and in book one, he or she sounds totally different than in book two, and different again in three and four. Is very annoying because you feel like the person you knew isn't who this person is, and nothing happens in the book to affect that change. And so you lose um, the bonding that the readers have made with those characters. So uh, what we did in order to avoid that was Deb wrote uh, The Dead Girl first, when she finished it, I read that book. Now, now we laid out the conflicts and everything for all of the books and all of the, the short stories, uh, essentially. Uh, was, it shortest straw that picked, that, was it shortest straw that, that had to do first, second, third, fourth? Or did you guys lay all that out in that meeting, too? No, we laid it all out right away. Okay. Uh, and okay. scheduling had had some to do with that uh, because, you know, oh, I've got an opening here. I can do the second book. That time frame works better for me. So that had, you know, had a lot to do with it too. But it was basically who had the clearest visions on the concept. And we did a lot of the work um on all four books, as far as since you're dealing with one town, one group of secondary characters who are are um, dominant in all of the books, we really had to know a lot more than you would if you were doing a series by yourself and you would just, um, you know, lay it out and let the characters develop. We had to develop the characters first. Mm-hmm. And so um Deb had 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 the first book and she um wrote the book and then after her book was written I read it and then I wrote my book. And then Peggy read The Dead Girl and So Many Secrets and then she wrote All the Lies. And then Reagan read the 
read everybody else's and then wrote hers. So we we maintained that consistency in the characters because all four of these women are in all four of the books and in all of the short stories. So, see, I mean, you know how that could get you into trouble if you didn't do it that way. Right. So, and it was smooth. Gosh, it was one of the easiest uh, books to write that I've ever done. And and one of the other writers told me that, too. And I think the reason is by the time we got to do the the actual projects, we were so familiar with this place. We had been on virtual tours inside homes that were in that area, you know, and and we were just so familiar uh, that it came together really, really quick. That's so cool. Yeah. It really I gotta, I gotta, it was an I was awesome going to ask a question experience. because you had said that, you know, when Deborah wrote the first book and then you got it and you read it, I was kind of curious then, you didn't see the finished product until it was done, or did you guys all kind of play a role in editing each other's work? So when Deborah was writing, did you and the other two, um, you know, Reagan and Peggy, were they were they involved in, in the editing part of it? Or was it like, okay, you write your book, and then I'm going to get it, and we're going to see, you know, how you stayed on the path? Because I guess, okay. you know, you could have gotten off the path a little bit if you guys didn't see it in progress, I would think. Well, you really could have, but uh, Deb and I had talked quite a bit because I would be directly following her. The other two were on deadline. So okay. Deb and I talked quite a bit, um, and and also we, we have a similar writing style. Uh, and so she wrote the first draft, but we had talked through the plot. Uh, we had talked through the characters and the plot and and uh, the conflict and uh, but I had not seen the written product until she wrote it. When she wrote it, she sent it to me. I read it. Then uh, after as we we did that as we went along, and and everybody made changes to everybody. Everybody edited everybody. So. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say because know, that would have been a yeah. little bit. I, I guess you had to have known, even though, let's say you you know, oh, this is how the book is going to end, and then you get it, and you're like, wait a second, this is a little different than what we discussed. I was thinking something else, and now what I was starting to do isn't going to work. And you know, when you have four people writing, you know, you just. I guess that was just a. I was curious to see the dynamic. So you guys were all involved with each other the entire way, and it wasn't like some stories where it's like, okay, you write it, and then I'll just pick it up, and then go on and so forth. Oh, no. we No. Um, in this, because our overarching conflict was to find the killer, but we each had an individual um, conflict that was kind of like the end of that book. Uh, for example, at the end of uh, The Dead Girl, which is book one, uh, when I picked it up, the, a boy, a teenage boy confessed to the killing at the end of book one. At the opening of book two, 
my my character knows he didn't do it. And so it's each book has to have a resolution so that it's a complete read and stands on its own. And it has to be logical, reasonable, you know. It, I mean, you can't just pull something out of the air. You have to, It has to fit. And right, so right, it right. did. And then at the end of my book, um, let's say at the end of Secrets, he is deemed innocent, the the young boy. My character's conflict has to do with she knows this boy didn't didn't uh, commit this crime, and she doesn't understand why he's taking the blame for it and can't get him to talk and explain to her. And so they she has to figure out why he's doing it and then get him to admit you know the truth and it's it's very challenging for him but he finally gets to that point where he can do this and then in the next book you pick up on another thread that seemed like a very secondary thread in the first book it's mentioned in the second book it goes into depth a little bit more because I'm laying the foundation for it and so that becomes the question that is burning for book three, is is this thread, is this going to lead us to the truth? And then it, you work through it that way. But each book has to have a, and a beginning, middle, and end, even though you have this overarching conflict. Otherwise, a reader's going to pick up book one, and if they don't get a satisfying uh resolution of some sort they're not going to be happy with that book so we had to do it that way which well, is why actually, we had to plot out four books the the themes for the short reads and also the overarching conflict through all four books well that's sort of leads to my question vicky um it sounds like you have to read them in order to get the full uh, scope of the, what the... The novels you really do need to read in order. And in fact, I, uh, that's in, it states it in the book itself, you know, best, best if read in order. Um, best, yeah, best read in order. So that's on these four. Now, the okay. short reads... Um, we absolutely love these characters and and loved the storylines and because each of these four women came from different areas and they really didn't have much of a history together uh but but they all had this past that had to be dealt with so in the short reads we thought okay on this let's you know how everybody has that life-defining moment where something happens and it changes your life forever or it changes the way you look at something forever and that changes your life forever. So the short reads are about that life-defining moment. And actually, it's 
it that moment is what brings all of these people to Shutter Lake because it's the safest place, you know, the safest town in the country. Uh, they pride themselves on having no crime. They are have excellent schools and and uh, the. Um, Founders are innovative industry leaders who are bent on making everyone in that town successful, on helping everybody achieve their aspirations. So that sounds real appealing to to you, me, and everybody else. But imagine that you had had some traumatic experience that took the life that you had built and turned it on its ear. And now you've got to come up with a different life or one where you can be at peace again and still feel fulfilled in what you're doing. That's what those short reads are about. Oh, this sounds so cool. Um, Oh, man. (laughs) I, I'm going to stop talking to you and go read these. Um, but seriously. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, 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 the concept is awesome. I mean, it's just oh, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. That's what happens when you put a group of writers together and they start playing Let's Imagine What If. You know, and it happens, Jeff, you know that, I know. Um, yeah. The writer in you, when writers get together, first of all, they're among people whose eyes don't glaze over when you talk writing because they're they love it as much as you do and so it's like your muse just goes into overdrive and you can't help it you just sit there and discuss doing things that perhaps are riskier than you would like to do on your own but you want to do and and if you can get some other you know uh all of us have are, um, have made that USA Today list several times. And so it's like it's the risks. I'm not saying that mitigates the risks. It doesn't. The work has to, to hold up to the scrutiny. But with the four of you together, you feel like you're bettering your odds because you've got four people who are – experienced authors who are looking at everything and you know it's real hard to find writers who are critical right (laughs) um you know so we find fault everywhere with everything because everything's fodder and so it it frees you up in a way that talking to non-writers about it you know maybe doesn't and you can just let your let yourself go with it, and we just had the best time doing this. You know, you hear all kinds of stories about how difficult it is to write with other people. We didn't have any of that. None oh, of that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you because um, it seems like when you move into a small town, that's not a good thing in thrillers. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering about you making the town. It sounds like the town is a character as well. Could you talk a bit about that? Well, the town is a character in a way. Some of the most brilliant people in the world live in this Shutter Lake. They could not find 
their vision of a perfect town, so they created one. So it's nearly self-sustaining. It's energy efficient. Uh, They're very into health. They have an outstanding medical facility that you typically only find in large urban areas. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, I said that right. I had to think. Uh, but but it, so it is a character, and they're very protective of the image of this. I mean, you have architects come to study it, behavioral scientists come to study what goes on there. Um, it's it's the place everybody tries to duplicate and can't quite get there. And uh, at the beginning. That's the facade of the town. Of course, the titles break down. And that's because all of these secrets and lies start surfacing and all of these hidden agendas start surfacing. And you find out it's a normal town. These people just are really trying to make it a great place to live. And it's very community-oriented. Uh, and and that is, you know, with people being so mobile and um, and transient, that's one of the things we're losing is that strong sense of community in a lot of places, and it makes a, it makes somewhere like like Shutter Lake very very appealing. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, definitely. No. Now, with so many books that you have written, and you've written in so many different styles and different genres, I mean, nonfiction, this and that, what was it hardest? What was, I guess, what was your biggest challenges with Breakdown that you had really never experienced before in your past writing? The one thing that comes to mind right off the top of my head, I dealt with a school shooting. And it, it, it was active, but it was I put some psychic distance in it because that's not something you want the reader to feel too up close and personal because it tends to sh- push them away a little bit, you know, for protection. Uh, because all of us, especially those of us who are parents, uh, can can too easily identify and over-identify, if you will. And so I had a real issue with that, creating the right psychic distance so that the reader was invested and so that the issue was treated fairly and so that, um, but it wasn't so much so that it became burdensome where you you, know, you could be afraid and you could be um you you totally understand her reactions that was the balance trying to find the right balance so that any reader who reads it can say I could feel that way I understand that that could be me and my reaction but I think I found it because three out of the four people who read it uh, first came back and said, you've got this old lady crying, and, um, uh, and yet 
she's a victor, you know. So I think I hit the balance. But that was really um, um, kind of tough because because it was the suspense thriller, I didn't want so much introspection uh, that it became modeling or or I didn't want the sappy in it, even though a lot of people react that way. But she could not afford to, not with what she had to do. So um, anyway, that that for me was was a little bit difficult. And you know what I think is is kind of cool. In every one of the of these four books, I can see a moment where. I th- I thought as a reader now I'm talking uh in the in the other three books there was a moment when I thought oh my gosh I can see myself doing that or I I can see reacting that way oh I I hope I would react that way you know it would be something I would aspire to do uh and I hope that that would be my reaction I hope I would be smart enough to do that kind of thing. So every one of them. And I thought, isn't that an odd thing? That that we would all have a moment like that where the tension is thick, the topic is uncomfortable, and yet it was handled fairly and in a way that you hope you would react instead of the way you fear you might. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Yep, yep, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, I well, love that. I love that in these books. Well, and one of the things I wanted to praise you on is the idea of getting together and doing this as a group and sort of promoting it as a group. And I have to say, when you're doing traditional publishing, that's something that is such a foreign concept to them. And I'm I'm being general about when I say traditional publishing, which you right. have done, and clearly you are uh, publishing this yourselves. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you could talk a bit about you've done the traditional, you're now doing this. Could you talk a bit about the pros and cons of each? Okay. Um, well, oh boy. I, or you can I'm, just throw me out the I'm, door here. <laughs> no, I'm not going to fling you out the door. You know me. I, I talk turkey. Um, in traditional publishing, there are a lot of there are a lot of favorable and unfavorable in both. Okay, in traditional publishing, I'm not sure that I think we probably would have had to write the entire series before anyone would take a chance on it because. Publishers, traditional publishers, have run into too many situations where multiple author uh, projects create challenges and you know additional headaches. Um, and and while some will give it a shot uh, and 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 do well with it, uh, the majority of them would be very skeptical. Also, you know, we have um, in this group, we have all, we do all kinds of writing. We have a literary fiction author 
who uh, also does cozy mysteries, who also does uh, romance. She did not typically write a lot of suspense. Now, I'm not saying that she didn't put some suspenseful things in her um, other novels, but uh, but to she had never hit suspense as a genre, going specifically for it. At least I don't believe she has. Her her main works are literary fiction and cozy mysteries, and she's done a lot of of uh, romance. So. You know, you would be approaching a traditional publisher with a project by four different authors, and you know, one has has um, a totally different kind of background. One doesn't have as many books out, but she's she's a very good author. And I don't know. I just felt like uh, I guess we all did. Well, a and this is a perk on the indie side uh, uh, for publishing it ourselves, we really wanted to do it the way we wanted to do it, uh, where where there were no boundaries, no limitations. And if we could, to blaze a trail for other authors to follow and readers, too, to try to attract crossover readers by by pushing the bounds. And, um, you know, traditional publishing right now is, is rather challenging if you're trying to do something that you consider quite different. Uh, it's like, I don't know, it's like most want the tried and true and the the proven, unless it's just something that you know that an editor looks at, falls in love with, and just has to have it. But typically, that's already written. Well, for us, we just wanted to do it our way, on our timeline, and go with it where we wanted to if we decided we wanted to like we decided to do the short reads on those life defining moments Uh, if we wanted to do that then we would do it Uh, we didn't have to have certain elements in it or we didn't have any rules and that is extremely appealing like uh, Deb Webb has written, you know, 120 or so books. Peggy Webb's written 80-something books. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how many books uh, Reagan has written, but she writes fast and she's coming on strong. I would say she's up close to 20, somewhere in there. I'm not real sure, but somewhere in there. She may have passed it already. And then, you know, I've done, I don't know, 40-something so it's not like we're we're new writers uh, who who are facing all the challenges new writers face, and the challenge of uh, an editor knowing that we can finish a book. But we're also unpredictable in a sense, writing as a group, because we've written different things, not 
a hundred of this book, you know, this type of book. Uh, You know, and that it's just, we would have had to do the books first. And if you're going to do them first, you might as well put them out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and like you just said, I mean, you've written so many books. You you know, you've been in this game a while, so you've seen publishing change so much and so dramatic. I mean, what ha- from where it was at and, and now where it is and where you see it going into the future, you know, what's what's the one thing that you just got to, you know, that, that has changed so much but it's still kind of stayed the same, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Like, you still have to write the great book, but now it's just changed. Publishing is just so much different. It's contracted. Uh, when I first started writing, there were a lot of different publishers. You may have 15 publishers that you could go to with a single project. Now we have five uh, major publishers. Um, and uh, so the market has, the the publishing business has contracted. Um, ebooks changed everything in my opinion of course something always changed everything going back to before ebooks you know the mid-list books kind of went through a lot of metamorphoses and uh, essentially was declared dead at one time well where do you where's the garden of tomorrow's bestsellers if they're not in the mid-list today and and yeah. that i think is a huge problem everybody wants the book that is going to be a bestseller coming out of the gate and it used to be that editors built authors over time uh, you know, four or five books, they would build them, and, and each time they would move them up the ladder because the books would do well. The editors had more time. Editors used to have time to edit, and, and I don't mean that in a snarky way at all. I just mean that now books are bought by committee. They're not bought by editor. The editor may have an advocate, but more often than not, that editor is going to talk to several other editors in the house to try to build support for that book. Um, you know, marketing, advertising, the sales force, everybody and his brother has input on what books they buy and what books they don't. So even if an editor wanted to build an author Uh, over four or five books, it's a lot more difficult for them to be able to do that because of the way that the the buying structure has changed. So, uh, Here's a a quick little follow-up to that. Do you think that if publishing never changed, which means let's say e-books never happened and publishing would have stayed the same, do you think that your concept of breakdown would still have maybe happened, or do you think that because of the evolution of the ebooks and how everything is different, that that's why you see all of these different concepts that you've really never seen before? I do think that ebooks ebooks opened uh, a world. You know, authors have always defined uh, 
what's available to read. They have always defined it. Uh, every editor that I've ever had would would say that and has said it. Uh, because until someone imagines it and writes it, it does not, you know, it does not exist. Now, I'm talking about pushing boundaries, blazing trails. Let me let me give you an example. Back in the early 1990s, um, I had an idea for uh, the Seascape series. Well, the Seascape books, what I had in mind, Rosalind Osselbrook and I had in mind, was to do a, a an open-ended continuity series of single-title books. One had not been done before, and so we went into the romance genre to do that. Those books are, they have romantic suspense, but they're, uh, the romance is dominant because that was the most receptive market. Okay, so we work up a Bible, a series Bible, and um, I sent it to my agent, and she said, you know, she said, I really don't feel comfortable sending this out. She said, now, now this is a lady that had been working for me for a while, okay, and she knows you never know what you're going to get. It's it's like the box of chocolates, you know, some cream center, some caramel. But she said, I really don't feel comfortable sending this out. because. And I said, why not? I knew it was a good concept. I knew it. I could feel it. You know how you get those bubbles in your gut? Well, I had them. And so uh, she says, um, because if an editor or was interested in an open-ended continuity series of single-title novels, they would create one and hire the authors to write the books. And my response to that was, if somebody walked into my office and handed me the Bible already done, the concept already laid out, the novels already laid out, the characterizations already done, I would say, yay, go, because the work's done for me. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. said, well, you yeah. could be right. And I said, I tell you what, I don't want you to take it out anyway. If you're not over the moon excited, I don't want you to take it out. So I sent that project out to five publishers. Four were interested. I flew to New York, and I met with all four of them. The one that I went with was not the one who paid the most money. The one I went with was the one who was so excited about it, she was bouncing on the edge of her chair. And she had that shining light in her eyes. She just loved it. And, you know, that twinkle you get in your eye when you're really excited about something, she had it. And yeah, I get that. Gave, I get that when I think about a box of chocolates. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And she, Thinking I she, got it right she, now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and she gave me the latitude to write what I wanted to write the way I wanted to write it. And I said, "That's the one. We're going with that one." 
and the gal that worked on it with me said, absolutely, that's great, just handle it. So we did, and it was good. Nice. So, you know, but that had never been done. And what did that do? Look how many how many series do you see in that genre now? I mean, it's a long time later, but back then it yeah. had not been done. Yeah. So was I willing to invest in Breakdown? You betcha, because it's good. It, the concept is great. The characters... I got very attached to all of these characters. I could identify with them all. They're very different, but I really like the people, and I like the people in the town. Even the ones who are not good people have, you know, good qualities. I just, I just loved everything about it. And when you, as a writer, when you love it, it's easy. It's easier for the reader to love it because your love for it comes through in what you write and the way you handle things. And so I that was always my, my one rule. I just will not write a book I don't love. And I was crazy about all of these, absolutely crazy about them. Oh, so looking forward to these. It's going to be great. Um, and actually, I was going to say, this is our last question because uh, we're almost out of time. And You've, it's been amazing talking to you. It's been a great. Um, I love aw. this conversation. Yeah, it's great. Um, wondering well, how you. social media, uh, do you see social media as being important? I do, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's always a but. You know, there's always a but. There's the downside, too. If you have a political opinion and you express it, oh, God. it can be a not so good thing. And because that has happened with so many people, you know, there are a lot of people who spent a lot of time on social media that simply don't anymore because they don't want to hear any more of that. They're tired of it. And so, you you know, your reach uh, isn't what it once was there. And so, uh, but on the other hand, you have a, a great opportunities on a lot of the different platforms to reach new markets or new new readers that you know haven't heard of you before, or haven't um, haven't read suspense before. But because this has so much human interest, if you will. Uh, or some topic uh, that is of interest to them in it, they'll they'll try it, and maybe that's that's kind of what I'm hoping. Somebody who um, doesn't typically read suspense will read it and say, "Gee, you know, I really like these kinds of books. I'm going to go look for more of these." And some writer who never never uh who read suspense but never wrote suspense might say oh my gosh that's a different kind of suspense in this one uh that i like that i could write that you know what i mean yeah. so that we can get more people uh on both sides the readers and the writers 
eager and entertained and interested and enthused. So in in a sense, it's another trail. We're blazing another um, trail. And just to let people know, too, your website is VickiHenzie.com. That's V-I-C-K-I-H-I-N-Z-E.com. So that's where the best place for them to stay updated on everything you have going on. Your website is very detailed, so it's a very easy place for everyone to find anything they want to know about you. It's right there. Well, there's also, I know you, you talk to a lot of writers, uh, I have a writer's library. I've been doing lectures and articles for almost 30 oh. years. And Great. there are a ton of of articles and workshop notes and things like that, videos, um, inspiring things. Mm-hmm. You know, we all need pick-me-up now and then. Um, I did a, a little series of videos, Inspire Me, and those are all on there, too. Nice. Well, hey, we want to thank you again so much for coming on. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, Can't wait for the Breakdown Series to hit. And what's the first date that's going to start hitting? Do you have the dates? The the short stories or short reads come out uh, on September 7th. All of those come out the same day. The books. They're all e-books? In ebooks and uh, the short reads won't be in print. The others are okay. in in ebook and print, okay. or will be uh, in October. And just mark an X on every Thursday in October, and you've got there the you dates. Go. Um, yeah. So okay. We're so every so everyone in October. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. It has been a pleasure to speak with you and uh, wish you nothing but the best and can't wait to see what's coming in the future. Well, thank you so much, and I certainly enjoyed speaking to you, too. Uh, Good luck with everything, and I hope these are big hits for all four of you. Oh, thank you. Yes. All right, Vicki, have a good night. Bye-bye. You, You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, again, everybody, that is author Vicki Henze. Great conversation. Uh, VickiHenze.com, V-I-C-K-I-H-I-N-Z-E.com for more information on the Breakdown Series and, of course, all her other 40 books uh, that she has written. So this is definitely an author. You can get a newsletter. Um, you can get a free book. So her website is very, very detailed, so you just want to check it out and see what you think. Um, great interview, huh, Jeff? Oh, I love Vicky, and uh, the, I'm really looking forward to reading these books from all four of them. Yeah. So uh, what we're going to do then is we are going to say goodbye to you right now because after we play the Steve Hamilton video for or video for, <laughs> audio interview for you, <laughs> um, then we'll just end the show. So we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, I believe that's the day after Labor Day. Is that is that right, Jeff? Yeah. But uh, well, yes. But we'll be back. Okay, that's the yeah, that's the tentative date. Uh, be back. Uh, I know that we have holiday stuff, so maybe we might be the weekend or the Tuesday after, and then we'll do like back-to-back shows or something. We know we've done that before, which is what we just did this right. weekend. So yes. All right. So good. All right, man. So I will talk with you later. And you guys, here we go with our Steve Hamilton interview. And again. Steve Hamilton will give you all his information. Uh, you want to go to authorstevehamilton.com is his website. And the book is Dead Man Running, his 11th in the Alex, Mc, Alex 
McKnight series is out today. So here we go. And that's great. Have fun. All right. Okay, buddy. So first we want to thank you guys so much for listening to the show. And we are very, very, very pleased to be able to have back best-selling author Steve Hamilton. Jeff and I are very excited to talk with him again. So, Steve, thanks, man, again so much for coming on to talk about your latest Alex, Mc, Alex McKnight thriller, which is dropping today. So how are you today, doing? Today. <laughs> thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be on my absolute favorite podcast out of all the podcasts I do. This, this is the absolute favorite. Sorry to everybody else. Hey, that's all <laughs> right. Appreciate that. You know what? Every, everyone else be damned. They, they they can copy us if they want to. They can come on if they want to. But you know what? They choose not to because they know they can't beat us. So screw them. That's what I say. There has to be a, there has to be one number one. I mean, that's just the way it is. And I, that's right. And we just work hard at it. Exactly. So well, <laughs> and you right. both look really you you both look really good too. So that's, oh, oh, damn, well, that's a it, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> That doesn't hurt. It takes takes three hours to look this good, man. You, it mm-hmm. just doesn't come that natural, but no. Nope, nope. um, but you know, again, so but congratulations because this is the eleventh full length novel in uh, your in the in the Alex McKnight series. Twenty uh, year anniversary. You said to the yeah. month we were when we were off the air. You said this is the twentieth anniversary. Crazy. From the I know. First day. Yeah, a cold day in paradise. So a cold people day in paradise. Nineteen ninety eight. August of nineteen ninety eight. Uh, it's it's just amazing that it's been twenty years, um, but. I mean, what a ride it's been. Yeah, so people that are just kind of crawling out from underneath their rock, they can kind of go back and realize, holy shit, there's 11 books in the series, and start off with Cold Day in Paradise and work their way up. Or you can drop right in here to the latest book, which is called Dead Man Running. drops right now, so you listen to the show. You go out and get it however you buy books. It's available in all the formats. So, Steve, tell us a little bit about what you got going on and and kind of why it maybe took you, you know, five years to drop the latest book. Well, you know, as a writer, you do some, you 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 try other things, and I and for me this time around, it was it was the Nick Mason series, and I've I've certainly no regrets about that because that because that worked out great. Uh, you know, when went with a new publisher, went with a whole new direction, and and a whole new type of character. It's the first time I ever really wrote about a guy who was a, just a stone cold professional criminal. Um, so that was a really different experience. But I always knew I would go back to Alex. You know, um, anytime I've taken a break in the past, once before I took some time off to write The Lock Artist, which is a really different kind of story. But I always want to go back and see what see what Alex is up to next because, you know, he's he's the guy who was there with me when I first started writing. Um, you know, he was there at the beginning, and, I you know, I always go back to him. Uh, it feels like I'm just going home, you know. I, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, could you talk a bit about the villain in this book? Because holy <laughs> crap, he's one of the best villains I've read in a long oh, time. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Um, um, it, Livermore you know, is like anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. Livermore. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, you know it's that's a character you know, again having taken a break and written and uh, worked on some other projects. You sort of you hope that you get better as a writer and you get to and you get better at certain things. And, and this this is really the first time where I've turned over part of the book to somebody else's viewpoint. Um, that's the first time I've done that in an Alex McKnight book, where it's always been first person from the beginning with him. Um, this time you see thing, you see a little bit of the story from this other guy's point of view, and it's obviously a very twisted point of view, but you know, writing a really evil character is kind of a tricky thing, because you can't just make him you know, flat out 
nuts, you know, totally, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's still a human being, and he still has his own logic and his own rules, and he's driven by basically human desires. Just in somebody who is that evil, those desires just get turned upside down. And, uh, and so it was a real experience, you know, sort of trying to get into this guy's head. It's not something I want to do a lot of because he, he really, really was a bad guy. Yeah. But, you know, I'm glad that you said that because at the beginning when you sat there and you said you just can't make him, you know, stone cold crazy because even though, and I always say this to, to everybody when they're talking, uh, you know, like about villains and this and that, I'm like, look, you know, there's always a reason for the villain doing what they're doing. Yeah, Whether exactly. or not you think it's crazy, they don't. So right, exactly. that's the challenge that you have to do. You have to make it like the, they know what, you know, the radio knows what they're doing is crazy, but you as an author have to make it that the villain doesn't think that what they're doing is crazy. That's exactly right. It has to, it, it, they, yep. they have their own worldview, and it all has to fit together. And uh, obviously it, it, it collides with what we think is right and wrong, um, and that's part of the drama of a story like that is when you because because there are people like that. Um, there are there have been people who have been that bad, um, mm-hmm. and you know that's that's what that's like the ultimate challenge for somebody like Alex, especially as he gets drawn into this guy's world and and the big mystery you know as this book begins is that he doesn't know why he has no idea how he's connected to this to this man and why this man would would draw him away from home in the middle of winter to 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 go to Arizona and and to be stumbling around in a canyon in in the desert i mean there's there, there's no more you know sort of world that could be any farther away than a northern michigan winter um so for him to just get pulled pulled away from his life and drawn into this guy's web that's really the whole first part of the book is just him figuring out why. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, when did you know writing this the reason without giving any spoilers away? Well, it, you know, no, back in the day when I was first starting out, I would just sort of come up with an idea as a way to start a book, and then I would just go and I would just sort of hope that you know hope I got somewhere and I didn't get lost, and and, and usually I would find my way and it would be sort of a surprise even to myself as I got there. Um, this, you know, as you get better as a writer, sometimes you'll, you know, you'll have a little bit better idea. And, and, and that comes as a product of, you know, writing books like the Nick Mason series, which are much more sort of tighter uh, thriller kind of books um, where you really have to have everything really tight. Um, you know, Alex is not that kind of book, but I, you know, I, I sort of have a little bit more of that sensibility now. So, so this time I sort of knew I sort of knew what the connection would be. I, I didn't really know all the details of how that would work and how, how that loop would all get closed. That, that was sort of a, a surprise as I was writing, but I, I did know how they would connect finally. Um, so I just had to get there. That's cool. Okay. Now, and, you know, and since you were kind of five years from the last book, which was called Let It Burn, just to let people right. know, because when we had you on last time, we were talking about Exit Strategy, which was your Nick, Nace, uh, your Nick Mason right, novel. Right, right. So from five years from Let It Burn up until now, was it 
just because, you know, was it the challenge of going to sit there and say, okay, I'm five years removed from him, can I just get back in? Did you want to kind of age those five years? And, and did you, you know, what was kind of your thought process at the beginning when you were doing the inception of, you know, Dead Man Running to try to figure out how are you going to reconnect with Alex? Because, you know, you kind of put him in the fridge and you kind of bring him back out. You know, how was that dichotomy between you and him when you uh, started putting the words to the page? Well, I just, I mean, I really just sort of missed them. It's kind of that. It's kind of that simple. And I wanted to go back, and but I wanted to just not go back and see. Okay, you know, the last time he, we we saw him, he was in Detroit, and Detroit was falling apart and everything. I mean, I wanted to sort of. Um, Don Don Winslow has tweeted a couple times that it sort of feels like the skyfall of the series, if that makes any sense. That was, of course, the the movie where they kind of rebooted James Bond, and mm-hmm. they go back to, they sort of go back to the beginning with him. Um, and it's not that I'm going back to the beginning with Alex so much. I mean, I'm certainly everything that's happened from a cold day in paradise until now has is it, is still out there. It's, it has still happened to him. But I did sort of have that feeling. It's like you know, what was it? What was it about this guy that would re- originally made me want to sort of spend so much time with him? And it, and that's how it sort of felt like. It felt like I was sort of starting over with him, even though he was sort of an old friend somebody that I had, I had known for, for so long and had spent so much time writing about. Uh, when you take a long break like that, you have a chance to sort of really kind of start over in a way, and that's, and that's how it felt. Well, I have to say I, I love Alex, I always have, and you bringing him back was like, yay, I'm so excited. Um, I'm curious, well, first of all, I love the Skyfall analogy. I think it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, that was, that was a good but analogy, what, yeah. Yeah, why do you think readers, uh, as well as you, love Alex so much? Uh, wow, you know, I mean, that's something that they do, which is like the best feeling in the world, if that's true. I mean, that's 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 part of why I go back, why I start a tour going back to Michigan, sort of going back to where he came from, is to sort of to reconnect with that. And, and that, you know, writing's a pretty lonely profession, and so so when I do have a chance to go back, and meet people who who really have spent that much time. If you think about just 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 reading a book and then reading ten books, that's that's a lot of time that you've spent with this character, and and, and you know him so well. So I mean, it's just it's just like the greatest feeling in the world that I can just imagine that somebody has done that. And I mean, I think he's just you know, there's there's a lot of main characters in crime fiction who are kind of bigger than life. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having the Jack Reacher, who's the toughest guy, in, in, you know, in the room always. And I mean, Alex is just—he was an ex-cop. He was a baseball player. He's just—if you—if—if if you met him, you wouldn't think there is really anything that extraordinary about him at first, until you saw you saw him under duress and saw him having to live through some of the stuff and how he never quits. Uh, that's that's when you sort of see it, but um, I just there's just something basically decent about him. I think uh, that, that's which is why he always gets himself into so much trouble because he's just a guy who, who again, as he's got that old cop sensibility, sensibility as a cop on the beat. You know, he wasn't some big high flying detective or anything or profiler or FBI. He was a cop on the streets of, of Detroit, and if and guys, and I, I know guys who've done that job. And you're just regular guys who just try to make a difference every day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 
when when you kind of jumped yeah. from Alex and then you went into Nick and you started writing and then you started coming back, did you learn any little tricks from writing the Nick books that you didn't have in earlier Alex books that you kind of incorporated? Are fans going to see a little bit different Steve Hamilton if they just read the Alex books from Let It Burn now into Dead Man Running? Well, I think, you know, we sort of alluded to earlier about how maybe I might write a little bit tighter now. Um, that's just, you know, as a, as a product of doing the Nick Mason books. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't conscious of that so much. I think maybe it's just sort of, it's just sort of almost unconscious now is that I'm, is that I'm trying to make sure that everything really hangs together um, and that there's, there's, there's just no wasted motions, you know. I mean, in a, in, in a classic private eye novel, which is really what I was starting, starting out writing from the very beginning of the series, it's the American private eye novel can be a pretty sort of rangy, kind of slow-paced book. You know, that's okay if, if, if the guy sort of stumbles around a little bit and he goes out looking for the answers to, to some mystery. Um, it just felt like coming back to this series, I mean, if you think about this book from the very beginning, the first time you see Alex back, he's like on a plane going to this, you know, going into the middle of this amazingly mysterious situation. So um, I think it'll just, I think it's just a tighter, faster moving book here, I think. I actually would agree with you on that one. Yeah, um, gotcha. uh, yeah uh, I have to ask one more question about the villain because sure. Sure. let's just let's just say he uh, he doesn't uh, collect puppies and hug them. Generally, generally. <laughs> yeah, you do such a fantastic job of expressing what this guy is doing without actually telling me what he's doing, and I wanted to say first thank you. Um, could you talk a bit about? the line that you didn't cross and also is there a line you won't cross ever when you're writing uh yeah well first first of all the first part of that is sort of the old show don't tell i mean that's writing that makes you see something without having to tell you what you're seeing is is absolutely the best kind of writing um as far as why i mean yeah there there are things i would never do um just because i just for myself i just wouldn't be comfortable with a with with a child in a really bad situation, for instance, you know, anybody who has children, especially, uh, it just has sensitivity to that. Yeah, I, yeah, I that's could, you know, that's always a tough place to go. Yeah, that's a tough place. And and I've read books. I I actually had, and, and Bruce will even tell I've you. I've read story, some that are so. good that do it right, but oh, I've yeah, sure, read some sure. that have done it really wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Silva will, <laughs> yeah. will will tell you the story, so I'm not giving any, anything away. But he asked me to read a book and give a quote on a book, and the first chapter is this child in just in uh, this horrible situation and i actually called him up and said bruce i can't do it i'm sorry this like right now at this time in my life this scene i can't i can't read it so i can't go past it and i can't i can't read this book and he totally understood and, and actually and in a way it's sort of like a backhanded compliment to him that i did it that he did it so well and so effectively that i just couldn't hmm. read it you know so i, so I got gotcha. you yeah so, so I read his next book, and and and, and it's all good. Um, there's there's just some things that I just can't read, and that means obviously I would obviously have a real problem writing it. Uh, but yeah. you know that it's got to be about that. It's got to be about a kid. It's got to be. That's pretty much it, I think. I, I you know I mean, and obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of violence against women in general in in crime fiction. Um, 
maybe a little bit too much, and I and I'm not innocent of that myself. But maybe I'm a, maybe I've become a little bit more sensitive to that, you know, and then I'm not going to just go there all the time anymore, you know, because it's kind of an easy way to really amp up the stakes. Um, again, though, I mean, there's there, there's so much great stuff you can do in crime fiction. You don't have to limit yourself, even if there are a couple things that you might be squeamish about writing. Gotcha. Now, I mean, you've won numerous awards for your writing. So is there still something left on your bucket list that you still want to kind of chalk off as an author? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, When I did The Lock Artist, I didn't sort of realize I was writing a young adult book. Um, You know, which, which, you know, not just because the protagonist was 18 years old doesn't automatically make it a young adult book, but... um, you know, it was it was actually Maggie Griffin who told me, "Hey, you know, you 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 realize you wrote a, a young adult book here. I mean, it's because it's, you know, it's it's a first love, it's a coming of age, it's you know, this 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 guy who's sort of lost and can't find his place in the world. I mean, it's a classic. Some of these are classic classic young adult themes. And I and I and I actually went to the American Library Association convention." And received an Alex Award for that book, which is like this this young adult award. So like like for one weekend, I was a young adult writer, which is which is this really great experience. And I and it sort of made me realize, you know, this is this is uh, this is you know this is a this is an age of a reader that that where I really fell in love with writing myself. So it would be great to go back and and write sort of to that age group. And and of course you don't write down to them because that doesn't work. Um, you write. You really have to write up to them. It's it's it, it's a big challenge to write to that age group. But I would love to go back and do some more of that. Well, that would be. Do great. we see a series in the works with young adults? I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> something. Okay. All right. You know it's something there. Hey, I mean, we, hey, you know, we, we like to get first scoops exclusively here on this show. Yeah, so no, I got to ask the question. No, it's like <laughs> you know. I mean, I mean, this is. I mean, this this book right now. The book you got in your hands right now. The book that, that's coming out today. It's a very dark book, right? It's a very dark yeah. book. It's a and and it's no doubt an adult book. And then, and, yes. that, and that's fine. And that's that's absolutely fine. That's that's mostly what I've what I've done. But you know, it would be it would be great to go to a bookstore and have a bunch of kids there who 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 love to read your read your stuff. That would just be the greatest feeling in the world, I think. I think John Connolly did it real well with his Gate series with the Samuel, oh, I can't remember yep. his last name, and then of course Charlie Parker. So he's one that's done it. He's done it really well. Yeah, a few, a few guys. Greg Hurwitz just did it too. It's it, yeah. it's sort of it, it was sort of the in fashion to try the young adult, you know, which is a lot sure. of sure everyone tried it. it. You're right. Everybody tried it, and I you know I I wouldn't want to do it just because oh here's a new market because it's it's, it's not right. about that. It's about it's about loving. That kind of book and remembering when you were that age, and so so that's why I would do it. Yeah, well, I think we can all think Stephanie Meyer for that because I think oh I think a lot of people were trying the Twilight angle. They were like, okay, let's see if we can, let's see if we can capture Twilight again. So, uh, yeah, okay, God bless him for that. Give him, yeah, I know, really. Go ahead and try that. Um, mm-hmm. Chasing yeah. them, chasing them shadows. I know, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like an, uh, one more vampire book or one more, yeah, or whatever. Oh, but um, really, you know. But you know what? If you did it right, if you really did it right, you could write anything. You could write another vampire book right now if you did it right, and really were true to the idea and just wrote a great book. 
So what if it's another vampire book? You know, there's always room for another great book. True. Well, True I like that. that. That's yeah. Yeah. But not after uh, today with uh, Dead Man Running because that's the great book that we're talking about right now. Oh, out today. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm uh, take you back a little bit. Um, I understand you started writing at night after you got home from your day job. I'm wondering yeah. at what point did you feel comfortable walking away from the day job? Uh, that you're assuming that I'm comfortable now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the writer's I, never truly comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I worked at I worked at IBM for a while, and for for a long while, and it was and it was really great because it was a very stable day job that and and everybody here was great and very supportive and very proud, and I could I could make that work for a long time, but <clears throat> at some point, you know, it really was time just to just to fully commit to being a being a writer. Which is what I always wanted to do. So it's like, you know, if this is what you want to do when you when you grow up, why don't you grow up and do it? Really, that's that's sort of how I how it came to me. And um, yeah. so it was time. It was that I was in the right place in my life, and I I had the right people in my life. You know, I had Shane, and I had the right representation and the right support. And my kids were the right age, and. Julie was up for it, so it's like, let's do it. Oh yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, yeah. uh, and, 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 then, and then when you, you start writing books, you know, then when you start writing books as good as you have, I mean, it makes it a little easier, I think, because then you're getting so popular. I guess I don't know. Am I popular? It's just like, I'm, oh I'm shit! Come my, on, I'm sitting here in you my room writing popular. books. You know you're popular. I don't know. I mean, you know what? You're reaching that status, and I was just going to ask this question because we were talking about everybody chasing the YA. Well, you know, the one thing that you notice a lot of today is a lot of people are writing with people. So you would be that top name, and then you would have someone kind of underneath of you. I mean, has that kind of ever come up? You, is it, do, has, any, has anybody ever come to you with a collaboration idea or something that you might have been interested in or anything at all like that? Um, Call me, Steve. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I've been asked Jeff would be the small name in the back corner. I was, it would um, be Steve Hale and was, Jeff Ayers. <laughs> when I was a younger man, a younger writer, I was asked to be that guy, to be the co-writer for a couple, a couple of the bigger names, and I, I turned that, every one of those guys down. Which is, which, which, by the way, you know, we were just talking about having a day job like that's like something you should be ashamed of. It's not because that, because that allows you to, to, to say no to that kind of stuff. You know, it really does. I mean, Alfair Burke is still a respected law professor, and I have so much respect for her for still doing that while she's writing great books, you know. And mm-hmm. part of me having a day job for a while is that I didn't have to do that, you know. And I could take a, like, and I could have taken a long time. I I took a long time to write the Lock Artist, you know. That that book took a long time, and and again, I sort of had the freedom to do that, to write this whole different kind of book and go down this. Road, take this journey with this young safe cracker that I wouldn't have been able to do if I was just a just a writer banging out you know stuff and trying just just to just to survive really. So I mean I was very lucky with that. And now now that I'm sort of on my own and and writing, um, it's hard to imagine being in you know I, I mean I I I know how that dynamic works. I've I've seen it with some of my fellow writers and it works out great for them. But um, it's it's hard to imagine doing that from either side of it, being the guy who just, like, 
have somebody else write the book for you and you put your name on it or or being the guy who has some, you know it just it just it doesn't that that's not what I ever pictured when I pictured myself being a writer when I grew up, you know. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, of course. Um so I have to ask, what do you prefer writing? Do you prefer the standalones like Lock Artist and Nightwork or do you prefer the series? Well, I mean, I've I've only done a couple standalones. I've done what now 13 series 13. books. I mean, yeah. I think for right. I mean, there's something about a series and that I've always loved reading, and then and then, and there's this there's this comfort level of writing that you that you sort of that you know the character and, and the reader knows the character, and so I mean that's that's the most fun I think to write writing the next Alex McKnight book. That was that was more fun than writing the Lock Artist, which really was the hardest book ever because I was just finding my way. It's like you know, I mean, this is a, this is the first time I wrote about a kid. Uh, first time I wrote about a guy who who can't talk. I mean, there was you know, the, your main character has no lines of dialogue in the whole book. I mean, that that felt like a real big mistake quite a few times. <laughs> Uh, but you know but what's I, fun. But you know what? You know what awards you won with that book, though, didn't you? Did you see that? Did you see the awards you won in 2013 for the Lock Artist? Uh, yes. I would think um, he knows what he won. <laughs> well, let's see. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, we. Well, let's let's the best them off. translated no, no, no. mystery of the no, no. year in Japan. In that Japan? I've right. never seen on a book. Yeah. You're the first one I've ever seen in all these authors <laughs> that I've ever interviewed that has ever won that award. That's a you know it's funny that you should say that that's a big book in Japan for whatever reason, um, and and I still haven't even gone to Japan yet. I mean for all I know, for all I know I'm like a big rock star there. When I as soon as I get off the plane it'll be like go with Barry Lancet. He you know, he lives there in Tokyo. <laughs> but no, it was just yeah. I mean it was just um, I, yeah. Obviously that that book was a real turning point, but. Um, it was a it, it was the hardest book by far to write and and right in the middle of it I thought you know what I just ended my whole career with this I've taken so much time and gotten so lost with this book and I really had to fight my way through that and that's that that is the that's the hardest thing I've ever done and it's the most proud I've ever been of myself when I when I finished the Lock Artist and then and made it a book and it wasn't just a book it actually you know people really responded to it and that was that's like the best thing I've ever done right there. Well, and it also helped you for future novels as well. Yeah, because it's like I've been to, I've been that you know that far out at sea and found my way back. So, so, so I know I always can now. You're right. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. We want to thank you so much, of course, for joining us again. Uh, the latest book here, Dead Man Running, the eleventh Alex McKnight series book. He's back after five years. So, for fans, of course, of that series, you should be. Extremely excited to grab that copy of the book right now. In fact, you shouldn't be reading it though. You should listen to us. Now you can start reading it because the interview's <laughs> over, and you know so we'll, we'll do that. But Steve, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure. You know that you're welcome anytime, and you can just come on if you have nothing to move. You can just bullshit and talk whatever. Steve Perry, that might, that might be even better. Yeah, let's just, let's just hang out. Let's just actually, you know what? You should make me like one of your one of your you know just. Make me part of your podcast from now on. I'll just oh, come hey, on. Hey, man. I mean, yeah. Just, just come on in. You got to do it. Whatever. You guys are great. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, I wasn't I wasn't kidding when I said 
It's not like I say that to every podcast. Oh, you're my favorite, you know, because that would be that would be pretty cheap. But um, oh, well, it, 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 it always is an absolute total pleasure coming on and talking both to both you guys. Um, I love you both, and thanks so much for having me. And um, and I can't think of a better way to start this week out with this book coming out. And I'm just going on this trail all cool. over for the next two weeks. Yeah. But thanks, thanks so much, guys. Thank you, man. All right, Thank good, you. good luck. Enjoy. With you.